The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Initiative Moon Knight. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative Moon Knight, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, April 7th, 2022, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in depth discussion on Disney Plus's Moon Knight. Please welcome my co host, Vinny Hatcher. Hello, hello, hello. And Priscilla Rocha. Float like butterfly, sting like bee. My name's not Steven with a V. Yes. <laughs> it's magical. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 2, which was titled Summon the Suit and debuted April 6th, 2022 via Disney+. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. With little time to react... Stephen is thrust into a war of the gods as a mysterious partner arrives. Okay, we actually do have a lot to discuss. Fortunately, this episode was a little bit longer than the previous one. Thank you so much, Disney Plus, Marvel, and everybody else involved. So, where do we want to begin? I mean, so much... We got so much information in this episode. I guess we should start off with Stephen and Mark, because we got a better understanding of the dynamic in this episode. I mean, clearly we haven't gotten anyone sort of giving a clinical diagnosis of what Stephen is going through, but based off of just the little bits that we've been talking about, that we've read about Moon Knight, as well as uh, just a greater understanding of the dynamic between Stephen and Mark in this episode. I feel like we, we sort of understand it's, you know, dissociative identity disorder, it's multiple personalities, uh, there's a dominant personality that's in control at times, and then the, the other personality sort of becomes the submissive and uh, can only communicate via sort of voices in the head, uh, manifesting as... Um, you know, reflections uh, in mirrored, on mirrored uh, images, on mirrored uh, objects. There you go. That's the right term. We also understand via this episode a little bit more as to who Mark is. Uh, We we didn't get a full episode with Mark in control, but we got a, a little bit of a backstory in regards to Mark, his mercenary past, his wife. We'll be talking about the wife in a moment. Priscilla, you're right about the wife situation. So you'll get your kudos in a little bit when we talk about her. But we, we learn that Mark is married. And we also learn about his deal with Khonshu, which I thought was fascinating. Priscilla, we'll start off with you talking about Stephen 
and Mark, as well as Mark's deal with Khonshu. We got a lot of exposition explaining it. What did you think? Did you like it? Uh, was it easy to follow? So you kind of have to, like, take everything piece by piece and, like, put the puzzle pieces together yourself. So from what I understand, Mark died and Conchu revived him and, like, brought him back to life as, like, his avatar of justice. Mm-hmm. But he, in turn, has to do his justice for him, has to, like... And has to, and one of the things he has to do is stop Amit from rising. And um, the, it doesn't explain why Steven exists or if Steven is the first personality. But I doubt it is if Mark is the one that died. So I think that it, Steven fragmented from that. And he created like a separate like small life in Britain. And that's where, like, you start seeing, like, chaos ensue between Mark and Steven. Yeah, that's what I think as well-ish. I think Steven could be sort of the man Mark wishes he could be, in a Mm -hmm. sense. Maybe not the nebbishness, but, you know, Steven is mild-mannered. He's nice, he um, is, uh, like, it, it's interesting how all of uh, Steven's likes are Layla's likes. That was kind of fascinating. Um, and because Mark has to do all this, you know, this brutish, violent, a thuggish type of stuff for Khonshu, Steven is the exact opposite. You know, he's a vegan. He's not to say that vegans are are pacifists, but you know it's like the like the complete opposite of of Mark currently. Maybe almost an idealistic version of Mark is is what Stephen is. I don't know where the fracture happened or when it did. I do hope we end up getting a little bit more information, even if it's just through exposition of when Stephen became real because i do agree with you i think mark is the dominant persona i think mark was born and somehow steven fractured from mark are there other fractures stay tuned based off of just the comics yes is that how it's going to be interpreted the other fractures there has well yeah 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 one one can hope, I guess. Based off of the comics, yes. Based off of how they're going to do it on the series, that we don't know. So stay tuned in regards to that. But uh, I hope we get an answer as to when the fracture happened. Uh, I think Steven needs it, and because Steven is who we were introduced to first, like, I think we're all rooting for Steven with a V. So my hope is that we do get an answer to that uh poor steven i mean he just wants answers i mean we want answers but he really needs the answers uh vinnie i want to bring you into the conversation your thoughts on everything that was expressed in regards to the mark steven dynamic as well as the bit of info that we got in regards to mark's deal with conchu i'll even bring in this little bit of information that you can react to we learned that 
it seems as if Khonshu um, has had many avatars. We learned that uh, our villain was a previous avatar. And we also learned the information about Khonshu's uh, potential next avatar, Layla, a.k.a. Mark's wife. And uh, we learned that Mark has been doing everything that he's been doing to protect Layla from becoming the next avatar. It was a lot of information, more than mm-hmm. we got in um, the premiere. So what did you think of all the info? Did it make sense to you? And uh, do you still have any questions? So it definitely made sense to me. Uh, I, I will be honest and say that it was a lot. Like, I was kind of overwhelmed with the amount of information that we got. I, I don't know. It was a little messy to me personally. Um, I feel very disconnected from the first episode to this episode. Like the pacing was kind of all over the place in this one. And I feel like they, I know they have a limited episode order, so they do have to cram a lot. Um, but I was kind of digging how in the first episode we were just getting things dangled in front of us. But then in this one, I feel like it was just projectile vomited all over our faces, a la Exorcist. Um, not necessarily saying it's a bad thing. The jury's still out in how I feel about it. But I, I did kind of feel like maybe it would have been better easing some of this out with some better pacing. Uh, but that being said, we have the information either way. Um, I do agree that I think maybe Mark was the dominant personality. Um, and Stephen, I was thinking about how we talked about maybe when he was leaving a voicemail for his mother, it wasn't really anybody there. He just thinks it is. Uh, you know, maybe Stephen is kind of like the the escape that Mark has from all of the stress of the life that he has or something and became powerful. I agree. I want more information on that aspect. Um, but the avatar thing and the way, you know, we're finding out about the wife and all of that. I have a lot of questions. Like how did the wife never realize that her husband was disappearing for long periods of time for, with no explanation? I'm assuming because he was a mercenary that that's how that's chalked up. But it, it kind of fell flat with me that Layla had absolutely no idea that her husband has dissociative identity disorder and was absolutely clueless and completely surprised. I feel like, that's going to be a story point down the road that Mark hid that from her. Like, that's something you would want to tell the person that you're married to. Um, I want to see their relationship more. I was really hoping that we'd get more than the second that we got with the two of them. Uh, there's obviously going to be an interesting dynamic because they were, you know, coming close to getting a divorce. Um, and his whole, I, I'm doing it to protect her and that sort of thing. Because she's obviously very capable. So I think he underestimates her. So that's going to be interesting to see her develop. Um but the Avatar stuff was interesting. I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be a situation where there were multiples over the years. Um, you know, generally when gods tend to choose someone to be their chosen or whatever, unless they make them immortal, then inevitably someone's going to have to pick up the mantle. But I did find it interesting that he has this relationship with Conchu, that he's in a deal, he's in an arrangement. But at the same time, he hates Conchu for the fact that Conchu wants to use Layla, potentially. Um, spoiler, sorry. Uh, Oh, no, and there's dynamic... the episode, and I mentioned. I know, it. I know. I'm, I was just being a smartass. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, Konshu was really interesting. We got a little bit more of him interacting with Mark, which was kind of nice. Um, the jury's still out for me on on who and what Konshu is all about. I'm curious to know more there because we did get some exposition about his background as well um, from Harrow. And I was curious to see, is Harrow lying or is Harrow actually telling the truth? So I want to know more about Conchu. Um, but overall, like it, it kind of, 
the stuff that we found out wasn't as wasn't very surprising. It was very clear that you know there was something going on between Mark and Konshu, and we got that fleshed out, which is probably going to set the foundation for you know where this is going to go as far as what kind of a battle. Who's going to be the the big antagonist? Is it Amit? Is it Harrow? Is it something else? Um, what I really liked was the interaction between Mark and Stephen. Seeing that take place where they're having full-on conversations, Stephen getting some backbone and standing up and saying, no, I'm not letting you take control. And that took us down a very funny route with the uh, summon the suits, <laughs> which I really oh, enjoyed. We'll be getting into that 100%. Yes. yes. But yeah, those are kind of my opening thoughts on that. Okay. I'm glad that you brought up the mother, because that's another example that I forgot to mention about Stephen being an idealized version of uh, Mark, because we learned that Mark has, you know, I, I don't know what we want to call it, an antagonistic relationship with his mother, or they just don't have a relationship. And so when Layla learns, you know, via Stephen talking, that, oh, you know, he's, he calls his mom, he's like, oh, you know, your relationship is better. So that might lead to uh, Stephen being just, you know, this this dream version of Mark that yeah. he created or that splintered off. Uh, Priscilla, I want to get your take on finding out that Harrow was a previous avatar, maybe the the most recent avatar prior to Mark. Uh, for Khonshu. What do you think of that? And since Vinny mentioned it, Harrow really goes in on Khonshu. I mean, we didn't really get a sort of... Um, what would be the best way to, to say it? We didn't really get sort of like a disgruntled employee talking about their previous employer type of Harrow. Because it was Harrow, almost like an ex. Kind of. But I was going to say because Harrow is very... You know, he speaks kind of soft-spoken. It's that cult leader type of voice that Ethan Hawke is bringing to the character. We all know about cults. Uh, we watched American Horror Story cults. So we learned a lot about cults and cult leaders there, Priscilla. Uh, it, uh, you know, <laughs> it felt like, a you know, it feels like 10,000 lifetimes ago that American Horror Story cult premiered. But we did learn about cults and that sort of thing there. And, uh, you know, they do have a certain you know, way of speaking to people. So even when Arthur was, like, talking about Khonshu, we didn't hear a shift in emotion in his voice. But he did have a lot of opinions about Khonshu and how Khonshu does, what Khonshu wants to do, and what Khonshu's ultimate goal is, and and also the fact that he says Khonshu is a liar. What do you think of all that information, Priscilla? When I first got saw this episode, I was like, he's got to be lying. How can he be the Avatar? And, like, how do you break off a relationship with Khonshu? Because it looks like he's the type of god who's not going to let you go once you're under his debt. But he looks fine, he, and he's under another god's domain now. So what happened there to fragment that relationship? But... On second rewatch of the episode, I'm like, but no, he knows way too much. He knows that a god can't really do anything afterwards without the Avatar's consent. And he knows exactly what he's, what 
the the god is trying to tell him basically to kill him in one instance and in the other instance when he's like i am justice and he's like is that what he's trying to tell you right now and it's 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 weird it's he knows his mannerisms so he's telling the truth and and that shocked me but a, a part of me is wondering if that's the case then that means that mark might actually be able to get out of being the moon knight at some point of this maybe the end of the series is when he completes his mission and stops being moon knight cuz i don't know if this is a spoiler or anything but the the actor who plays him uh, has only been scheduled for one season he didn't he didn't do the whole marvel contract of signing on for multiple seasons or multiple arcs or multiple movies he just did this one season of the the show so maybe maybe he does get cured at the end of this who knows allegedly i never really know what to believe when people start talking about their contracts so i have read that as well i've read that this is just supposed to be a limited series even though all of these are called limited series um so I don't know. But then I've also read interviews with Oscar Isaac where he's talking about, well, maybe, you know, Moon Knight will meet up with this character. So I will take everything that anybody says publicly about this with a huge grain of salt because this is Marvel. Yeah, the Marvel of it all. So let's rewind a little bit and let's talk about some of the scenes that led up to a, a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about. And the first major bit of... um action that we get and it's not really action action but it's action as far as plot movement is what priscilla said steven with a v not scotty gets fired uh and uh, it's because of what happened at the tail end of the previous episode we see the security cam footage it does not show jackal at all it doesn't even show, uh, uh, well, it wouldn't show, um, you know, uh, Mark suiting up as the Moon Knight because that was in the loo. But apparently, Stephen is being blamed for what happened in the restroom. And he was let go. Priscilla, you were right. He got fired. Does that mean we won't see Donna again? <laughs> Probably. I don't think he's. I don't think Steven's gonna go back to that gift shop place. And if it is, maybe he's gonna go go back and be like, "No, I want to be a tour guide now and like own it." But I I doubt it. He it seems like he burned his bridges there by destroying that restroom. And when they give you like cards telling you, "Hey, maybe you should get some mental help when you leave this place." Here are some places that we tell you that you should go and please give us back your name tag i don't think they want you back in any capacity so i don't think we're gonna see donna again as sad as that is i know right oh donna you'll always be in our hearts not really but you were entertaining (laughs) you'll always be there for rewatches but you never know i mean we ended up seeing the larpers way more than we thought we would over on hawkeye so we might run into donna somewhere maybe she'll be on vacation in Egypt. Who knows? Uh, okay, so the next piece that I want to chat about with you, Vinny, 
is some of the horror vibes that we got when Stephen decides to go to the storage facility, well, after trying many storage facilities, uh, to find out what was in uh, what 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 is behind the, you know the lock and key, and he finds a whole bunch of Mark stuff, guns, money, passport. We we get a little bit more of the uh, Mark. Stephen dynamic and then at a certain point Stephen's like no you're not in control I'm in control and I'm going to take the, all this stuff to the authorities and they'll figure out what to do with me and maybe they'll load me up with so many pills that you won't even exist anymore and once that happened Conchu's wrath appeared I will say this and I don't know if you liked it I love this sequence. The lighting was fantastic. The whole horror vibe was spectacular. I didn't really understand the freeze frame. Maybe you can explain it, Vinny. Maybe you didn't understand it. I'll ask you right now. What did you think of that entire sequence? Did you understand the freeze frame? And did it give you kind of horror film vibes? Have either of you seen the movie Lights Out? Yes. That's what it reminded me of, because there's like scenes in that movie where like the lights get shut off one by one by one. And I mean, it's an old horror movie trope. It's a cliche, you know, oh, someone's in a hallway and the lights go off down the end of the hallway and progressively get darker as they get to you. But they did it differently. They, You know, we actually I didn't realize it was Conchu at first. I thought it was like another jackal or something else from Harrow. So I would say I really, really enjoyed this segment, uh, you know, when you're dealing with a trope and something that's been done thousands of thousands of times, but you do your own twist on it and it ended up not being horror so much as it was Conchu. I liked that because it was misleading in a good way. I honestly thought this was going to be another case of like Steven running and squealing and refusing to give Mark control. And we were going to see Steven get his ass kicked, but instead he ran screaming like a girl from Conchu, which I found absolutely hilarious. But the moments before that, The ambiance and the way that they executed it was really, really well done. It was very stylish. And you kind of had this feeling of claustrophobia, which clearly is a recurring theme because it's touched upon later in the episode when Stephen makes the comment, oh, is this what it's like in here? I can't breathe. So there was a lot of feeling of pressure in this episode for me, and maybe that ties into the pacing. So in this moment, it was was another moment where I kind of felt like they they were using that hey, we're going to portray mental health and mental disorders really, really well and tastefully because it was all building up to some kind of denouement with Stephen and Mark. And that moment when Mark was removed from the picture because there wasn't any mirrors and Kantu decides to show himself, it was very impactful. As far as the freeze frame, I have no idea. I thought it was very interesting, but yeah, I can't explain it. It was strange. Can I tell you, I I had to rewind the Disney Plus because I thought for a second, I was like, did my internet go out for a second? Is it buffering? (laughs) Yeah, because Disney Plus is notorious for lagging. And so I thought the same thing and I rewound it into the same thing. So I was like, oh, interesting. It was an interesting choice. I mean, that is like a horror movie thing. You know, the the freeze frame, Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, especially older horror movies do that. But it was odd. It was an odd choice Mm -hmm. yeah all right priscilla you get bragging rights because of the layla situation uh layla what did you think of her uh did you go yes when she said you know about being your wife 
Uh, Vinny brought up an interesting point that I do want to sort of add to this is the fact that Layla doesn't seem to know about Mark's DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. She also does not seem, question mark, to know, question mark, about his relationship with Khonshu, question mark, but she does know about the suit. So uh, your thoughts on all of that, what'd you think of her, and did you have the same questions that uh, Vinny and I have? Well, I'm going to say first off, she's not going to be my, my most valuable player because I did not like the actress. I thought she was very wooden in her in her mannerisms. And I'm oh. like, come on, you're going up, you're, you're, you're acting with Oscar Isaac, like bounce off of him, like take take into to take into account his panic and like work with it. But it, she just didn't work with it very well. And it's weird because I've seen her on Remy and she's really good there, but just it didn't translate well here in this case well i'm hoping for better things in the next episode but so far i'm not impressed but other than that for the from the sheer facts what we know about her is that she doesn't she she knows she knows about the the scarab she knows what it leads to cuz she she mentioned that it was leading to Ahmed's tomb but she doesn't know anything about and i i actually i i think she knows how dangerous the cult leader how how dangerous he is because she kept away from him and didn't go to get the scarab from the from 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 the homeless man when he first came out he she let the homeless man be talked to by the cult leader and then he died, but she kept her distance smartly enough. So we know that she knows a lot, but she doesn't know about his about Stephen, about that side of his life, and she doesn't know about Conchu, about what powers the suit. So I think Mark has been keeping Conchu and Stephen separate from him, from her to like protect her as much as he possibly can. But I. I just don't think it's going to work. And for that matter, I I think that the fact that Steven is like create they're creating this like guy that loves her poetry, is interested in the same things she is, like Egyptian hieroglyphics and learning about that and learning French that I think they're creating this idealized guy for her and I think out of both of the both of the personalities, I think she's going to start falling for Steven instead of for Mark. Well, that's going to be an interesting love triangle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was an interesting line in this episode that I hope gets expanded on at some point is that Mark did mention that the line, the wall that he had built between the dominant personality of Mark and Stephen, you know, something happened that triggered it to crack. And I hope that we f- find out what that was, uh, you know, whether it's his love for Layla or, you know, something. You know, I, I hope that we find out what that was. Uh, I didn't see what you saw with Layla. I thought she was fine. I, I thought she played... 
you know, an estranged wife that still cares about her soon-to-be ex-husband a lot. And she wasn't buying that Stephen was real, that that he thought he was Stephen Grant. Like, I, I thought, you know, she was like, I'm not buying this. You know, you're whatever you're doing. Come on, Mark. Like, I, I didn't see what you saw. I I don't know. I, I thought she was fine doing what she was doing. I thought she was reacting properly to not believing that uh, Mark was Stephen. Stephen was Mark. Whatever. Vinny, your take on Layla and, uh, yeah, just what do you think of her, period? Uh, and, uh, yeah, do you think we're going to get the answers to some of the questions that we have currently about Layla and what she knew uh, about the whole uh, Mark situation. So Layla, you know, it's funny, Priscilla, that you mentioned that because I felt the same about her, actually. So I'm in your camp that I felt that she was very wooden. Um, and it was really hard for me to connect with her as a character because there was also some incongruities in the simple sense that, like, She's clearly very capable. She's clearly very intelligent. So I thought it really odd that she didn't know more than she did. And what she does know is really incongruous with what she, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I feel like she would know more if she knew about the suit, if that makes sense. And the fact that she knew about the suit, but she doesn't know about Conchu makes me wonder, like, how would you explain that to someone? Like, hey, I have this magical suit that appears. I have the scarab that's leading me to a mitz tomb but you don't tell the person how you have it and how you know what's going on. I don't know. I, I That's going to be an interesting one to unravel. Um, I, I felt with her that she kind of stuck out of this episode for me. Like, I didn't dislike her as a character. The actress, I think, maybe needs to get a chance to warm up to the role because um, she was kind of one note. Um, but ultimately, I'm curious to see what her past looks like. Because I feel like there's an interesting story there between her and Mark. Because she talked a few times. It was very pointed. Our adventures. Like the things that we did together looking for the scarab. And the things that, you know, we've in, we've been through together. So I, I, I'm curious to see the history there. Um, and at the end of the episode, I thought the, the thing with Harrow and the homeless man and her kind of watching. It almost made me wonder. Because I also was curious how she knew where the cult was located. So it made me wonder if maybe she has a history with Harrow, the way that she was looking at him. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, I would assume she knew about where the cult was because she followed Stephen. That's that's what I ended up thinking as well, is maybe that's how she realized. Yeah. But I do agree we need information on her past with Mark. Because the whole adventures thing, it was that post-Mark coming back because of Conchu, is that pre-Mark, when he was like a mercenary, murdering archaeologists and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I need answers to that. So uh, hopefully we get some answers in regards to all of that soon. You know, this is a limited series. These are the Disney Plus Marvel shows, so we only have four episodes left. So, uh, you know, they got a little bit of time to give us a couple of answers. And based off of the track record, I do believe we will get answers to at least the majority of our questions. Uh, Disney Plus and Marvel, they seem to always uh, give us all the answers that we want. 
um, at their pace, not at our pace. I mean, I feel like we all want the answers right now. Moving right along, while all this is going down with Layla, there's a knock on the door. There are officers, using that in air quotes, and uh, they take Stephen in. Turns out these are Harrow's people, and uh, they take Stephen to Harrow, where Harrow explains his philosophy. You know, he has converted a neighborhood and made it, uh, you know, into a utopia, for lack of a better word. Um, yeah, like the food is free, there's community garden, they're learning multiple languages, uh, there's uh, free movies under, you know, the stars and all that kind of stuff. And that leads to a conversation about what Harrow's trying to do, why he needs a scarab. He needs it for Amit, uh, who apparently he seems to be the new avatar for Amit. He's trying to bring her back so that he can so that she can do her whole uh, Minority Report-style justice on people. And that leads into the fascinating conversation that I think anybody has whenever time travel comes up. Like, do you go back in time? And do you, you know, do you kill baby Hitler? And that sort of thing. And Stephen is disgusted. You know, how could a baby? You don't know what they're going to do. So in 30 years from now, they're going to do something bad, and you're just going to kill the baby? And as every one of his sort of peoples like walks in closer and closer, as if that step word YVN type of stuff was not creepy enough, uh, they were all kind of cool with killing a baby. And Stephen was disgusted with all of them. Vinny, let's start off with you. What what you think of um, Harrow's argument? Uh, did you find him? And his cultishness convincing, uh, not necessarily uh, Stephen convinced, con- being convinced by it because clearly he wasn't. But what did you think of sort of Harrow trying to be sort of like the seductive, charismatic cult leader on Stephen? And what did you think of Stephen's uh, counter argument in regards to uh, the crocodile lady? I found Harrow to be the equivalent of what I would imagine the people that used to smell like snake oil and natural remedies back in like the, you know, the olden days when they were clearly hawking something that was just water or something like that. Even though he was trying to be very convincing, he just has this air about him. Like he's a snake himself. Like there's a snake under the skin that's just like trying to get one over. He does a really good job, but what was really interesting was watching how his, facade slowly started to crack as Stephen wasn't giving in. I think Harrow is very much used to people falling under his spell. I mean, we've watched people who basically just give him their hand and die in his arms willingly because he's that effective, but he doesn't seem to have that effect on Stephen, which maybe it's because Stephen's an avatar. Maybe there's more to it. Maybe the fractured mind comes into play. I don't know. But I think Stephen poses a very big frustration for Harrow, and we're starting to see that. And that's why I really love the dynamic that we saw in the last episode, and we got to see it a little bit more in this one. Because I was honestly worried that, like, Stephen was going to get in deep trouble in some way, shape, or form. And while he did, 
he held his ground when I didn't think he was going to. I anticipated Steven was going to continue to be this little milksop and be kind of hoodwinked, but he actually showed a little bit of backbone standing up about, well, no, that's disgusting. Would you, so a child that does it, uh, may do it 30 years from now needs to be killed now. That's murder. And he's starting to get conviction, which is awesome character development from the character we met in episode one. And I really, really enjoyed that. And I thought that, you know, it was really a great way to show that I think Steven's not always going to be this person who annoys the ever-loving shit out of me. And I want Mark to come in because all he does is get walked over. He stood up for what he believed in for one of the first times in the two episodes that we've seen. Um, Harrow, on the other hand, showed a little bit of the petulant toddler stamping his foot because he wasn't getting what he wanted. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Like, I don't want to use this power, but I'll use it if I don't make me do it. He's very manipulative. And I think he thought that, like, by trying to be the nice guy and bring Steven in, that it was going to win him over. But it didn't work. And I think he's kind of starting to get even more frustrated because he doesn't he doesn't know how to handle this guy. He's used to everyone doing what he wants, and he doesn't understand why the scales didn't work. And now he kind of does. But I think it still bothers him that he can't coerce. Um, I thought the cult was absolutely hilarious. It was very interesting. It was very much like not what I was expecting him to run his organization like. But then when everyone stood up in unison, very much like Parasite-like and hive mind Borg, it was kind of creepy and I was here for it. I know. The creep factor is really good on this series. Speaking of the creep factor, we get a little bit more of that. Because, uh, as you mentioned, Harrow does not get what he wants, and so he uses the staff that he has that is that has a little bit of um, its power to summon another jackal to take out uh, Stephen because uh, he wants the scarab. Layla does show up, says that she has the scarab, and but they escape, and the whole it's a whole situation. Layla tries to get him to use the suit, but, you know, he doesn't want Mark to take control. He also doesn't know how to summon the suits. Uh, name of the episode. Uh, so he ends up getting attacked by the jackal, which Layla cannot see. So I, I do wonder who can see it. Would would um, I'm assuming Harrow could see it. Clearly, Stephen slash Mark can see it. Could the other cult followers see it? They were backing up, so uh, maybe they saw those pretty purple lights, but I don't know if they saw the jackal. But uh, he ends up getting attacked, and uh, he ends up summoning not the suit, but a suit. And he even does a superhero landing, which was fantastic. And uh, we get Moon Knight's iteration of Mr. Knight. Now, based off of my little research... Mr. Knight is a different persona of uh, Mark Spector. They're using that character a little differently on the series because it looks like just based off of what we got in this episode, Mr. Knight is going to be Stephen Grant's version of Moon Knight. So Mark Spector can summon Moon Knight and that Moon Knight suit, and it appears as if Stephen Grant if he ends up being in control again and summons his own suits, it will be the Mr. Knight suit. 
We get a very comical fight. Well, before we get the comical fight, we get an interesting fight because we get the fight between Mr. Knight and the Jackal from, in essence, Layla's POV. So we don't see the Jackal. It's just, you know, something attacking Steven. And then we get it from Steven's POV where we get a comical fight of him trying to take out the Jackal. It doesn't work. There are bystanders and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, Mark ends up taking over and swiftly-ish handles the Jackal. Uh, Priscilla, talk to me about this entire sequence. What would you think of seeing Mr. Knight in the flesh? What would you think of that suit? What would you think of the fight? And, yeah, what would you think of just that, the entire sequence with uh, Steven being in control as Mr. Knight. And clearly, I will say, with his own powers. I mean, not only because he could sucker punch the Jackal, but we saw at a certain point, uh, well, we saw the superhero landing and he didn't, he didn't get as hurt as bad as he thought he would. And there's a certain point where he got up and um, he squeezed, like, I think it was the rim of a car. So clearly, that suit does provide him with uh, superpowers. I was hoping he was going to use the rim of the car to, like, slam into the jackal or something like a baseball bat. But, no, he he was completely out of his element. He did not know what the hell he was doing or what powers he had or anything. He was just, like, floating around being like, what? What am I doing? What is going on here? I But, again, like Vinny said, I loved the fact that he stood up for himself. The fact that he that when Mark is like, give me the give me the control, he's like, no, I'm gonna protect Layla right now. And he went he went and he and he faced up against the jackal and he punched shit out of it. So which is which was admirable. It's just I kind of wish he would have kept going, but he didn't. And instead he looked like a drunk asshole in the street. <laughs> which looked funny as hell and is a very smart way to avoid using um special effects so good on the people that are filming this because that looked cool it looked cool and it was cheap so good i i, I appreciated the fact that even steven knew that as much as he doesn't want mark to take over he he has a responsibility with all of these bystanders around that if something bad happens, it's on him. So that's why he switched. And when he switched and he was Moon Knight, like those action sequences, top notch, beautiful. Was that a I chef's kiss? That. Yes, that was a chef's kiss. Ooh. I loved it. I loved him running around in, uh, in the on the tops of the rooftops and stuff like that it just it looked very almost like dc batmanish it, lo- it just it looked so super mysterious and cool and just dark and awesome and the fact that he impaled him he, he impaled the jackal with like a, like a quick flip with those little like daggers that he gets from the middle of his suit, that lo- that was that looked cool. I loved that. Like I, I, I have no complaints about these scenes. They were the the between the fight scene with Mister Knight and the fight scene with um, Moon Knight. We got really good fight scenes this episode. So 
this was really well choreographed. I will co-sign that. I love the rooftop sequence. I thought it was beautiful. I remember in the very first teaser trailer of Moon Knight, you know, at the very end, like right before we got the, the Disney Plus logo, we had that leap from, you know, one building to the next. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to see that in the series. And uh, it, it was just beautiful. It was spectacular. Uh, Vinny, your thoughts on uh, this entire sequence with Mr. Knight? I mean, we're pretty much at the end of the episode. There's just one last thing to say. So I want to bring you in and get your take on all of the nighty action. You know what's funny is all I could think of when I saw him in that suit is that scene in Spaceballs where the lizard comes out on the diner table and, like, sings down the counter, Hello, my baby! Hello, my honey! Hello, my ragtime girl! (laughs) And I half wanted him to do that, like... It was... But, you know, it was so Steven. Like, the character that we've gotten to know so far, like, I, I thought it was perfect, and it was a really clever way of using Mr. Knight... Um, because I was really wondering if we were going to see Steven put on the suit himself, and obviously we did, and it it was perfect because, like, okay, I know superheroes, I've watched movies, and I've read comic books and all that, but even if I hadn't, you know, if I was just Joe Blow off the street and I I got this, like, magical item, and someone's like, yeah, you can summon a suit, you just got to do it, and everyone's, like, pressuring me to do it. You know, your mind's going to be running at 90 miles an hour, and and the first thing that's probably going to come to your mind is not, like, some you know, mummy bandage, like steroid mummy looking, you know, power suit, then the most common association is going to be suits. So when he landed up looking like he was about to go pick up his mummy girlfriend for, you know, the, the ancient Egypt prom, I laughed out loud and I thought it was hilarious. Like he even had the nice gloves and everything. Like it was absolutely great. The fight sequence was awesome. I also thought he was going to rip the bumper off the car and hit the jackal. It was really nice to continue to see Steven kind of, like, grow into himself a little bit more. And it makes me wonder if just, like, he's an idealized version of Mark that was created to be the lover, not the fighter, what's going to happen as he clearly is starting to pick up on some ingrained muscle memory um, and some traits of Mark. I think we're seeing an interesting – let's go back to scales, right? Like – you know, up and down with both of these characters uh, bleeding into each other. I thought it was really great – when Mark came on and we had that rooftop scene, like, right there, I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely Marvel's Batman. Like, 100%, I was like, this is a scene right out of Batman, and I am totally here for it. The execution of the Jackal running after him and then them jumping off the roof and landing on the art things that were down there, and that whole scene was really, really well done. It's very easy when you're doing CGI, to, like we've talked about before, to be cheesy, I still am not happy with the suit. I think the suit being CGI does look cheesy. But that being said, when the suit is in action, it, I, I don't focus on the fact that I think it's cheesy. I, I, I'm able to like actually watch how the, the actor moves and the suit moves with him. Um, so other than you know thinking the suit itself is cheesy, when it's in execution, it's actually really, really moving well. Um, I think my favorite was when the dive from the roof, like the view that we got of them jumping off the roof together and kind of like flipping in the air and and landing the way that it did. And then it pans up and you see the jackal impaled up against the moonlight. Hello moon reference. It was, it was absolutely beautiful. I, I give it a chef's kiss as well. Very nice. There was one little thing that bothered me about the sequence and I get why they did it. It was more so an acting choice or probably the director's choice uh, because of 
an acting choice. But uh, so we see him fighting. He's got, you know, the, uh, I guess it's maybe like a ski mask type of thing on. And then right before he allows Mark to take control, all of a sudden he's not wearing the mask. And he's talking to his reflection and it's Oscar Isaac emoting. I get why they did it. You wanted to see, at least I wanted to see, you know, Oscar Isaac emoting and, you know, being sort of like an emotional type of Steven, realizing that he needs to let Mark take over and you needed to have the calm Oscar Isaac saying, just let me take over. You know, you can't do this. You need me to say this. Look at all the people. I don't think that could have been properly conveyed with masks. So I get why they did it. It was just a little strange because, like, we also have, like, the bus full of people that can identify him. So that kind of bugged me, but I get why they did it. So even though it bugs me a little bit, I understand it. You're not alone, Jeff. It was really jarring because we didn't see the mask go away. He just stands up and it's gone. And that's a huge superhero faux pas. So I'm I'm with you on that. It was kind of – I didn't like that that much. Yeah, I almost wish that he had been sort of like tossed like next to a a shop window or something and then or in a shop window. <laughs> there you go. And then you know, he takes off the mask and then we see him talking to the reflection. I think that might have been better. But um mm-hmm. it's a tiny little moment inside of a really good action sequence. So by so the, the way that mm-hmm. I explained it to go myself is yes. that Steven can't control the suit and he was Oh, okay. His confidence was, and you know me, I like to justify things that I don't like to make myself at least be able to tolerate them. And that's the only thing I came up with is that, you know, it's his first superhero fight. He's getting his ass kicked and Mark's yelling in his mental ear. And maybe in that, that same transition that we didn't see him, you know, with the mask and we did the, his ability to like maintain the suit fell. All right. I will dig that. I accept it. Change approved. We will all believe that from here on out, and I'll be fine with it. Yes. So by the end of the episode, Mark has taken over. So something that we were curious about in our previous podcast, will we see an episode where Mark is in charge? It looks like that's what we're going to be getting, question mark, as I say, not confidently, because we have no idea where the hell this series is going. Although we do know where it's going physically, and that is Egypt, because with Mark in control, with Steven, you know, in the reflections, we see Mark wake up, or not wake up, but we see Mark, uh, you know, after chatting with Konshu about the next step in their plan, they're in Egypt. And so uh, we'll see what ends up happening. I will also say that the Egyptian track that they put at the end of the episode was a bop. I liked it. I'm going to have to jam it. All right, so uh... dude, I did. It was, oh, you it's did. Look, but oh, okay, awesome. It's sad. It's really good. I found it on Spotify. Fantastic. I will be doing the same uh, once we're done with this podcast. So, was there anything that I missed? A tiny little moment that anyone wants to chat about? Uh, any theories or ideas for what's to come? I'm just going to start off really quick with something that I forgot to mention. That was a teeny, 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 tiny little moment. That just brought me joy. So the fake cops, maybe they're real cops, and you know, but they're just uh, part of uh, Harrow's hench people. Uh, one of them was like, "What's this?" And he's like, "It's a paperweight. Where'd you get it? Paperweight shop." Like <laughs> it was a tiny moment. That, just, that was great. It was beautiful. 
So I'll open it up to the floor. Just was there anything that I missed or any theories or any questions, lingering questions that we haven't brought up that you hope to be answered in the next episode? Uh, the cops mentioned something about um, Mark killing a whole bunch of people, like in Egypt. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking that yes. that must be where he died. I agree. I agree. They talked about zip ties and shooting an archaeologist in the back of the head. But I agree with you. Maybe that was the situation where he died. Maybe. It seems to be that he's been on the run, or at least, you know, he's been a wanted person for a moment. So, uh, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I almost feel like he was killed there, and that's where he was resurrected, and his body wasn't there, so he got blamed for it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Oh, wait, so do you not think he was one of the aggressors? Do you think he was there and... Uh... Oh, I think he was with them. Okay. I think, because he, he wasn't, he's clearly a mercenary. I get the feeling that Mark is not a bad guy. I almost wonder if it was something connected to Harrow and the rest of his team. Maybe they were brainwashed and part of the cult and they turned on him when, once they were getting what they want. Um... Maybe Layla was there and she got away with the scarab. I I don't know because she never, I don't know because it seemed like she'd never actually physically seen the scarab before. But I do think Mark was there and he that's where he was murdered, and either he was resurrected and ran away or he got away and wasn't killed there and killed later. But yeah, I, I, there's more to that story that I really want to hear. But it it seems like he got pegged for it and he didn't do it when he said it's not what you think to Stephen when they were talking in the mirror. Okay, all right. I like that. Stay tuned. We're, we're going to have to see what they're going to do in regards to who Mark was prior to everything. Was he a mercenary? Was he a bad person? Was he a Robin Hood-ish type of person? You know, maybe stealing, but stealing for a good reason. Uh, or did he sort of change when he was resurrected? We're going to have to wait and see. Hopefully we get the answers to all of that in the coming episodes. Okay, so it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Vinny, you're up first. Who is your MVP and why? I'm going to go with my man, Conchu. Um, I really loved what we got of him in the first episode, and I wanted more. And we got more in this episode. He's clearly a very multifaceted entity. Um, you know, in the first episode, we were kind of getting the feeling that maybe he's a good guy, you know, and Mark's working for him because he dispenses justice. But in this episode, we kind of got to see Conchu acting like a spoiled child himself, you know, when he was like, kill him. And, you know, Harrow was basically parroting everything that Conchu was saying. So it really made me curious to see more about Conchu's story. I'm also really wondering, like, why can't he do more? If he's this powerful god, why are his powers limited, you know? And when they were saying that, like, none of the other gods want him around, he's banished and whatnot, okay. So I want I want to know more, but I, I love the way that they designed him with the talking bird skull. He doesn't look super stupid, the flapping of his robes bandages a little bit, but overall the aesthetic is great. 
he had some really good lines in this episode, and because he's kind of the linchpin of the Mark, Steven, everything there, he's really interesting as this, like, wild card character that we still don't know a lot about, and there's clearly a lot of history there. Like, I want to know what he's up to, and I find him fascinating, and the voice acting for him is hands down F. Murray Abraham, love him to death. I really, really liked him. He gets my MVP. Very nice. I will give props to the Khonshu VFX, too. His whole look is very striking in, a, in an interesting, uh, a little horror vibey type of sitch as well with him mm-hmm. in a good way. Uh, all of that is compliments. Yeah, Khonshu is, is fascinating to look at. Priscilla, what about you? Who's your MVP and why? I'm giving it to Steven. I loved him. I thought he was great this episode. I thought he wasn't just running around with like a, like a chicken with his head cut off. Like I would be just panicking, wondering what the hell is going on in my life. He took things as like clearly and rationally as he could. And he took things, he rolled with the punches and was nice to people like Layla, even though she's being really rude to him and to, and showing him things that he really didn't, quite understand but he he's just a really nice guy and when he was Mr. Knight it was funny as hell so yeah Steven for sure another really good choice part of me wants to give it to Layla just as a uh, to the haters I wonder who they could be hmm. <laughs> inquiring minds would like to know but I'm not going with Layla, even though I didn't mind her. I'm going to give it to Harrow. Harrow was fascinating in this episode. We did not get a lot of him in this episode, but Ethan Hawke was just really interesting as Harrow in you know the, the, the sequence that we got to see him in in this episode. I loved seeing, you know, sort of his uh, sort of mind turning and like really figuring out why he's justifying what he's doing, as well as the surprise, I would say for me the shocker, that Harrow was the potentially previous Moon Knight. That was interesting, and and how he sort of said it kind of steely and still cultish, but you can kind of feel his utter contempt for Khonshu, uh, just fantastic work from Ethan Hawke. Before we start talking about the uh, rating for the episode, there is something that I forgot that I wanted to mention, and I should have mentioned this when we were talking about things, you know, was there anything that I left out? This is something I left out. Crawley. We got a tiny scene with Crawley in this episode. We saw Crawley in the previous episode. Uh, For those out there that don't know, Crawley is the name that's given to the living statue that Stephen was talking to in the, the premiere and in this episode. In the previous episode, the living statue was just that, living statue. We got no reaction from the statue. We just got Stephen talking to the statue. And this one, yes, Stephen, once again, was talking to the statue, but Stephen embraces the statue. He gives the statue a hug, and we see Crawley do a little bit of eye acting. I mean, it was nothing if, if you looked away, 
but I noticed it, and I wonder if we will get more with this living statue. Crawley is a character from the comics, so I do think it's noteworthy to mention. I don't know if if, if either of you thought anything of it. Clearly, I mm-hmm. thought about it a lot. <laughs> so, but um, did either of you notice it? And in, in, any thoughts? Yeah, his eyes widened when when he got the hug, and I was like, "No, you're not supposed to hug statues. What the hell's wrong with you?" <laughs> but yeah. even Stephen sees him as a friend, even though he doesn't respond back to him or do anything. He just. It's such a sad thing. It's so pathetic. Well, you think it's sad and pathetic, but do we think there's more there? Could Mark know him? I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching. But just because there is a comic book connection, I I wonder if there will be more with Crawley. And if Crawley knows more clearly than we think, because we haven't even heard him talk. Well, it seems like Mark has a really good finger on the pulse of Stephen's life. So, considering that Stephen likes to sit there and confess everything to this living statue, that would not surprise me if he was planted by Mark. Maybe even to sort of... Well, I would assume Mark can hear everything Stephen says. Uh, sorry, I, I wouldn't say to spy on him, but just maybe almost as a... to watch him. I mean, because that's what the living statue is doing anyway. The living statue is just watching, observing yeah, but didn't Mark say that there used to be a wall that when someone else was in control, the person who wasn't was not able to connect? Oh, yes, 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 that is true. The wall, yeah, I mentioned that, that the wall is recently breaking. So maybe Crawley was the observer for when the wall was up. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It might be nothing. It might be what Priscilla is saying. He's just a living statue, and you're not supposed to hug the statue. But, uh, yeah. It was interesting, nonetheless. A little bit of eye acting that was unexpected. Okay, so, now that we've gotten that out of the way, it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 crescent moons? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden crescent moon. Priscilla, you're up first. How would you rate this episode? I'm going to say that while I did like it, I kind of agree with Finney that it felt like they squeezed a bunch of information at us, like, really quickly. It felt like squeezing into a toothpaste too harshly and, like, having, like, everything just, like, splatter out at you when, like, you're not ready for it. So I would give it probably... Oh, it's hard. I'd give it, like, an 8. Because it was still good. I still really love those fight action sequences. And I really loved... Steven, but I I would say the wooden acting from Layla and the fact that we got like everything really quickly takes it down two points for me. So yeah, an eight. All right, starting off with an eight from Priscilla. Vinny, what about you? So I was teetering between a seven and an eight, and I have decided on a seven. Um, as Priscilla said, and I mentioned earlier, the pacing was off for me, and there wasn't a point in the episode where the pacing seemed to get back on track, like. It was very fast, and the amount of information that was thrown at us very quickly did not give us a lot of time to digest it. And it just made me sit there wondering, like, well, if you wanted to give this much exposition, then why did you waste the first episode? Pacing it as relatively slow with the information 
it, it just seemed like polar opposites, and it was very shaking and jarring. Um, that being said, like I mentioned earlier, there was a lot that I really liked in this episode. Like, I didn't walk away not liking it. I will be giving it a second watch. Um, but that, along with the whole Layla thing, like, the wooden definitely detracted it to me. And some of the things about her character that I didn't buy really kind of took away from it for me. Um, the action scenes were great, but it did feel like a disconnect from the amazingness. I mean, I gave it a golden moon last week, and... You know, I had high expectations that they were going to continue to execute in a way that was really, really appetizing and appealing. And there were just a lot of sequences in this one where the pacing was bumped for me. And so, yeah, I think a solid 7, close to an 8, but I'll even say 7.5. But I won't go any higher than that. That's my final offer. All right, Simon Cowell. I don't know what you're talking about. I know, right? Well, I can't call you the other thing because of the situation that's going down. I, I know, yeah. <laughs> but I hear it in my head, Jeff. If that makes okay, you good. We, you, yeah, we see each other. We okay. do. <laughs> yes. Interestingly enough, this was not planned. Well, you bumped up 7.5, so it's no longer 7, 8, 9, but I'm giving it a 9. I did give it a golden last week as well. I, I absolutely loved the pilot. Uh, I mean, I, I've watched it a couple times since. It was fantastic. I hear what both of you are saying in regards to a lot of exposition with a lot of information, a lot of backstory, and it was a lot. I get it, but I really didn't mind it. I feel like we had to get all that information. There are only six episodes, and might as well give us Diary of the Mouth of Exposition in this episode, and then we have all of that information for the next four episodes. Uh, the reason why they didn't do it in the premiere, Vinny, is because I think they wanted the premiere to be what it was. I mean, we loved it so much we gave it a golden, and that's because it was incredibly mysterious. We didn't know what we were watching. We didn't know what was going on, in a sense. And we had so many questions. And this was the episode where they answered not every question, but they answered a lot of questions and they set up some new ones. So for me, that's why I guess I didn't mind this episode. I thought the action sequences were pretty good. I thought all of the information that we got was interesting and, and for the most part makes sense with uh, sort of like the parameters of the story that we know thus far. And uh, I was left wanting more and being curious about where we're going next. I mean, we know where we're going. We're in Egypt. But as far as like, what the action is like are are we just going to be getting the scarab how are we going to start stop harrow is it just harrow is it going to be amit as well will there be more jackals i don't know stay tuned but for me i'm going to give it a, a nine a solid episode uh with a lot of information yes but still in my opinion solidly given so on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative, Moon Knight. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play.
Just search for The Avengers Initiative, Moon Knight, and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Vinny. Have a wonderful night, my dears. We will see you when the moon rises next week. Oh, that was good. And Priscilla. Yeah, I can't beat that. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. That was planned. Uh, Vinny's been writing that since last time. Surprisingly, it wasn't. As tired as I am, I'm surprised I came up with that. Well, there you go. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the Avengers Initiative Moon Knight via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. New episodes release every Friday. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Good night.